this story uh, deserves to be told. There's a woman who is suing two real estate agents for alleging that they drugged and sexually assaulted her. This happened in uh, BC, in Victoria, BC, a place that I once called home. And she is alleging in a civil lawsuit that these two former real estate agents drugged her and sexually assaulted her in their office. And she's decided to sue after interactions with the Victoria police left her basically distrustful of the criminal justice system. And after the stories on social media coming out of the um, University of um, Western started to surface, I think it's interesting that women are going other routes when it comes to trying to find some sort of justice or closure when it comes to sexual assault. Uh, Kat Owens is the project director at the Women's League Education and Action Fund. She's here to shed some light on what women are starting to do. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I mean, this story is a horrible story um, about this woman being sexually assaulted, allegedly by two uh, former real estate agents uh, that she worked with. And uh, she is now she's launching a civil case in Superior Court in B.C. Is this something that we're going to see more of in the near future? And why are women starting to seek alternatives to criminal proceedings? So I think that it's something we are absolutely going to be seeing more of uh, moving forward. And that's because so many survivors of sexual assault really don't see the police or the criminal justice system as an avenue for achieving justice or accountability in their particular cases. Um, And we can see this first through the fact that many survivors simply don't trust the police or other legal institutions, uh, and this is because a lot of times you see Indigenous women, racialized women, and trans women disproportionately experiencing sexual violence, and, and these are the same women who are often um, very much harmed by these institutions. And we also see engaging uh, with the criminal justice system as really causing a lot of further trauma for survivors, and, and we saw that in the case uh, that you're talking about here, the case from Victoria where um, the the woman commented that her experience of engaging with police was traumatic itself and that the officers she spoke with, she said, didn't seem to understand what she'd been through. And so this, excuse me, sorry, this this risk of further trauma, uh, a lack of control over the process, uh, and the role of sort of harmful myths and stereotypes about how a woman should behave following a sexual assault really deter people from engaging with this system. What are the stats of women um, actually having a successful uh, conviction when they report uh, and go through the criminal process when it comes to sexual assault? Do you know? Yeah. So unfortunately, there aren't recent statistics or as recent as I'd like them to be. But I can say there there was a study done from 2009 to 2014, which showed that basically of all of the cases reported to police, uh, half made it to trial. So you see 50% not get to a trial. And of all sexual assault cases that were reported to police, only 12%, so about one in 10, led to a conviction. And so that's a, that's a lot of trauma time, emotional resources to go through with basically a one in 10 chance of of seeing accountability. Yeah, I don't know why people don't get their, you know, they have a hard time wrapping their heads around the fact that when um, somebody, anybody who's a victim of sexual violence or assault 
uh, retells their story, it is so incredibly vivid for them that they're reliving it again and again. And they say, you know, it's repeated trauma here. So uh, what is um, the advantage of seeking a, a criminal or a, a civil case as opposed to a criminal case when it comes to assault victims? Yeah, I would say there are three main advantages. So the first is that there's a lower burden of proof. Uh, I'm sure you've heard that in criminal cases, it has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt, which is a really high standard, understandably, given it's a criminal conviction. But in the civil context, the burden of proof is on a balance of probabilities or essentially 50% plus one. So that is an easier case to meet uh, if you are bringing a case in the civil system. Also, as a, as a party to the case, a survivor will have more agency, uh, provided they're able to uh, afford a lawyer. They have a lawyer who can advocate their case. They bring the case. They have control over whether it moves forward, whether it settles in a way that they don't have in the criminal system. And then the final advantage is we see that the criminal justice system is really about holding accused persons accountable. It's not necessarily about compensating survivors. And so through the civil system, survivors may be able to access compensation and that can help them to cover financial costs like things about missing work, costs for therapy, things like that, that you're not going to get through the criminal justice system. So it might be more advantageous when it comes to their uh, health in the long run to go this route. Yeah, it's definitely possible. It is, though, important to remember that there are barriers of downsides to civil lawsuits as well. Lawyers are mm-hmm. expensive to hire. Lawsuits take a lot of time and emotional resources. And there is the possibility of still needing to provide evidence at a trial or through discovery processes. So it's not without a risk of further traumatization. Yeah, and I think it's it bears saying this is a, a crime. These are crimes. And it's so we have to get to a point where we have uh, better uh, training of people that are listening to people that are, uh, you know, trying to tell the authorities of the crime that's been perpetrated against them. That's a, that's a huge component. But like, what's are the wheels in motion to get there? Because it is nice that they can seek a civil case, but that does cost some money. It would be also nice to be able to bring um, the aggressor, um, someone that's perpetrated these crimes against you to justice. Yeah, and I think what, what frustrates myself and what frustrates a lot of people is that nothing that we're talking about here is new. Um, we know that, that sexual assault is a, is a deeply personal, gendered, um, and traumatizing crime. We know that there's no one set way that a survivor will behave after a sexual assault. This has been reported on, there has been training provided, and we're still seeing responses from justice system participants like police, like lawyers, like judges, that show that, that a lot of people still don't get that. So I do think to your point that there there is a role for training, but I think we need to think more broadly about, mm-hmm. about a cultural shift. And so uh, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think we, we need to, to recognize the, the role that these myths and stereotypes about how a survivor should act still play such a strong role in our culture, in our institutions. And we need to think about how we can challenge those, how we can educate people, and also think about ways that we can do a better job of centering the survivor in the process. So thinking about what does the survivor want? What does accountability look like for them? And how can we strengthen our systems to help them be able to get that accountability? If you haven't been prepared for the fact that this could happen to anyone, uh, it's hard to have the skill set to know what to do if this happens to you. It seems like a no brainer to me. 
that we need to make sure that we are uh, educating young people uh, about this as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really important point. Young people need to know what the available responses are to them if they are sexual assaulted. And and even before that, we need to be having conversations about what consent looks like, yep. uh, how we can ascertain consent, and how you can have meaningful sexual relationships um, that are that bring people joy and satisfaction, but also respect people's boundaries. Sure. It shouldn't be a fearful thing. Um, can I talk about social media if we could uh, in our last few minutes here? I, I, what worries me about women turning to social media, I understand they're, they're supporting each other and I think it's a great support is that maybe people are uh, the, the perpetrators of sexual assault could be getting away with, uh, with this and moving on to other people. Can you talk about how, um, you know, uh, social media, the, the, is there an advantage to women going to social media and is there also a pitfall and, and what we need to know about social media? Because I am thinking directly about these, uh, the stories at a Western university and, you know, the, the, the police are still kind of dumbfounded. They're like, well, we can't find anybody to talk here so that we can hopefully, you know, um, help with our investigation. Yeah, so I do think that there are there are definitely some advantages to turning to social media. Um, it's more accessible than a lot of legal options. You may get more attention on the alleged perpetrator. Others may share similar stories. And the survivor may be able to get support, like you mentioned, from other folks who are online. Um, there are risks. Um, and one of those risks is what we've actually seen is a rise in defamation lawsuits. So when a perpetrator is named on social media or an alleged perpetrator is named on social media, uh, they can bring lawsuits against the administrators of the particular social media page or site, or they can bring it against the person who has named them to try to get their identity shared. And they can be for a lot of money. So it is something to keep in mind when sharing a story that there are risks to it as well. All right. Well, listen, I, uh, before I let you go, can you, uh, maybe give us a little bit of background on the Women's Legal Education and Action Fund and uh, tell people how they can access it if they need it? Yeah, absolutely. So the Women's Legal Education and Action Fund, or LEAF, is a national organization which uses litigation, law reform, and public education to advance gender equality in Canada. Uh, you can learn more about us on our website. It's LEAF, L-E-A-F dot C-A. Kat, I want to thank you for shedding some light on on how women and and uh, other victims of sexual assault are starting to to deal with uh, with uh, bringing people to justice, um, at least to helping themselves out through uh, civil claims as opposed to criminal. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Kelly, to talk about this important topic. We have a long way to go. Kat, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again. She's project director of the Women's Legal Education and Action Fund.